0: sounds good all right here we
1: go hey guys are you here today we're going to talk about
2: growing with fishes growing with fishes
1: hey everybody episode 309 of the growing with fishes podcast it's uh been quite a few episodes it's been a fun summer and uh, we've had a whole bunch of really cool guests this uh, um this summer and we have a really awesome one this week so we have natasha from the aquaponics association thanks a lot for joining us today
0: thanks so much for having me i'm excited to be here
1: yeah it's really good to have a more people from the association coming on the show. We've had Brian on previously. We've had a couple of other people from the association. We had Charlie on and um, Nick Savadov. We've had um, James Ricosi. We've had a whole bunch of different awesome people from the association or who have been part of the association over the years uh, on the show. Um, We have a a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Um, uh, If anyone is interested, be sure to check out. We do have the Aquaponic Cannabis Masterclass over at apmjclass.com. You can find out uh, all the information there. We have uh, uh, over seven days of, of classes on there. We had a, about a three to 400 new slides uh, that we're about to upload on there as well. So definitely check that out. It's, it's a really awesome course. Marty and I have put a ton of time into it. We also have a full length aquaponic and living soil pest control course, which I put together as well. Uh, if you're interested in how to ha- handle all those different types of, uh, all, blah, blah, sorry, I can't even talk tonight. Um, how to handle all the different types of pathogens, microbes, fungi, and all the different um, insects and other things that attack your plants. You should check that out at APMJclass.com um, uh, or at thepestclass.com. If we're just looking for that, we actually have a, a mineral and microbes class that'll be the next portion of this as well. Uh, the aquaponics pest control class and the minerals and microbes class are strictly geared towards broad, um, diverse crop uh, choices. So, um, uh, everything from lettuce to, uh, cucumbers to fruit trees and, um, essential oil producing plants as well. Uh, it's not geared so much strictly for, for cannabis. So check that out then we also have the open nutrient project if you haven't checked that already uh, we're adding new features every couple of weeks Uh, we have a bunch of different resources for people trying to make uh, organic ferments teas compost and other things as well as the ability to submit your own results uh, as well as testing or if you're looking for aquaponic water testing we do have a full uh, page on that as well uh, over at opennutrientproject.com if you're looking for what test kit to get to test a certain nutrient at your own home Uh, you can find pretty much everything you can think of under the sun we have over 278 different test kits i think and counting Uh, might be over 300 now i know that was the last number i remember Um, so definitely check that out if you're looking for what test kit you should be testing for what ranges you should be testing for and uh you know their your cost per test kit all righty thanks a lot for joining us today um uh, Yeah, I know you are the community outreach um, specialist or uh, I'm not sure what the exact, uh... Uh, uh, title is on, uh, uh, on your particular position there. But um, I know you're the person doing all the community outreach currently, and I'm really excited to have you on. Um, you're here to tell us a lot about the Aquaponics Association and the conference coming up. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to um, to come out here. You're also someone who's actually gone and, and gone through the aquaponics education at a university level out in Santa Fe. Um, you did a bunch of work with uh, algaes and aquaponics systems. You also worked in different um, uh, or, uh, plant production facilities as well. So we're super excited to have you on thanks for joining us today
0: thanks so much i'm very excited i'm i'm very excited to to hopefully see some of y'all at the conference at the end of september
1: do you want to introduce yourself to everybody and uh, a little bit of your background i know we kind of touched on
0: yeah yeah so uh, my name is natasha farmer which is my real last name although people ask me whether or not it is all the time (laughs) uh yeah, and uh, I got into aquaponics uh, doing Charlie Schultz's program at Santa Fe Community College um, and really just kind of fell in love with all things microbes, fish, and plants, uh, did some algae cultivation classes and projects out there, and now I am, as you mentioned, the my official title is Membership and Outreach Coordinator for the Aquaponics Association, and I've been Running webinars and that kind of thing for a couple months now with Brian.
1: Well, we're certainly excited to have you here today. Um, uh, I guess before we get started on on a little bit on your background, do you want to tell us about the association and the, and the upcoming conference?
0: Definitely, yeah. the The Aquaponics Association is is really cool. Um, our our biggest thing that we do is the Aquaponic Conference every year. Uh, so. This year it's going to be in Oklahoma City, September 30th to October 2nd. The theme this year is Ecosystems for Change. It's going to be our our first in-person conference in two years. The past two years were virtual due to COVID. So we're we're very excited to get everybody together in person. And we'll have presentations. uh, We'll have a vendors showcase. Uh, We'll have social events, tours of local uh, aquaponics facilities. It's going to be really fun.
1: Very cool. I know uh, I've been a speaker at a couple of the different years uh, association conferences. In fact, uh, Josh joining us spoke at last year's conference as well. Uh, He actually has, in my opinion, one of the neatest aquaponics facilities that's out there because he does a big hybridization between living soil and aquaponics on his farm as well um uh Very really cool. to actually have him on here as well but um But yeah, if anyone's out there and if you're looking to learn more, especially about the veggie side of production, it really is one of the best conferences out there in terms of diversity of of speakers as well as you know, there, there's always that the handful of people that are working on all kinds of different cool experiments or different research projects that are maybe outside the norm that it's always good to talk to I know they did last year they had somebody presenting on saltwater production and um, all different types of cool stuff that's a little more off the wall than your average aquaponics uh, discussion.
0: Yeah, so one of the the cool things about the conference is we have five different learning tracks. So uh, it, there's stuff for everybody from the from the high level post PhD researchers to people who are who are new and getting into aquaponics. So we've got the general growing track, which is as it sounds, all things to do with just getting into aquaponics. We've got the commercial track if you are a bigger production person and you want to. You want to learn more and network about the business side of things. We've got the research track, um, we've got the community and STEM education track. Uh, did I miss one? I think that was all of them. And we've got, we'll, we'll have presenters in, in all of those different learning tracks, so there's going to be something for everybody probably more more things that you want to go to than you can possibly fit into the time that we have
1: oh yeah and it's great for networking too if you're trying to find other people to work with on a on similar type projects in the industry it's uh, definitely great for networking as well my shit ain't working
2: there you go yeah now we can we
0: hear you now yeah
2: (laughs) oh well you can hear me but i can't i've got like some malfunction going on here but we can at least audio hear each other I was going
1: to say disconnect and reconnect in my fix. Yeah,
2: I think I'm going to try to do that. I apologize, you guys. I'm trying. You're fine. You're fine.
0: No worries <laughs> on my account.
1: Um, um, uh, so do you want to tell me people why they might consider joining the association as well? I know a lot of people uh, uh, might, you know... Um, Uh, check check out the uh, conference but might want to additionally join the association as well I know that they often work closely with um, regulators so they're like kind of the the best ear if you want to get an ear to the USDA Uh, I know that they have a representative who shows up every year I've had some incredibly uh, um, informative uh, conversations with him without getting into specifics that would probably get me in trouble Um, but uh, he's a great dude that comes out every year and um, I'm not sure who's going to come out this year but they, it is a great way to kind of uh, meet some people on the regulatory side that you might not otherwise get a chance to meet as well
0: for sure yeah uh, a lot of what we do is is advocacy type work so trying to trying to get get the bureaucrats to be more on board with aquaponics um, and other than that if you're just looking to be a member uh, we've got a a community site where we've got a, a kind of a, a wealth of, of videos and other resources for for learning about aquaponics, for networking with other aquaponics people from all over the world. We've got people from, from Europe, from Africa. It's, it's a very, it's a worldwide association.
2: I think I'm with you guys. Here's a little beautiful hash to look at. Um, I've been quite honored to be invited to speak at the uh, conference uh, the last two years. And um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really cool to, to be a part and to get to listen to all the different speakers um, because my, my head has not been deep in the aquaponics uh, game as of the last like four or five years um i started a while back but but there's been some folks that have made some really cool progressions and so i I, listening to the conference and listening to what some people have done um the the folks in uh i'm I'm gonna blank on their names maybe steve will help me out but the folks in uh new england or in england the uk that were doing the sips containers is that what they were doing they did a bunch of experiments i remember they did a bunch of sips
1: what was it, Lorenzo, or the, if you go with an L, I forget what his name was. Something like that,
2: yeah, I just, there's a number of people, I was just so impressed with um, what's been going on, and so cheers to the, to the event for um, bringing folks together, and bringing the knowledge together, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm especially excited, because I, I have never been to an in-person aquaponics conference, I went the last two years to the the virtual conference that we hosted during COVID. And I I watched really cool webinars from people like Nick Savadov. And I think I might have watched yours as well, Steve. If you did you do one last year? Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think I think I caught that one. But just the the energy of having people actually together and able to do things like like socialize. <laughs> grab somebody after they're done speaking and just be like, hey, like I'm working on this. What do you think of this? It's, you just can't get that as as much virtually. And I'm very excited to see that this year.
1: I know uh, I was super excited to be there but I'm actually leaving for Thailand here in a couple of weeks right before the conference. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to stream my talk in unfortunately but uh, I'm definitely excited to uh, participate. Cool. Again.
0: Well, well I'll still be cool. Is, is
1: the good thing about it is, is that Thailand is exactly 12 hours ahead of um, uh, Oklahoma time. So it's really easy to keep track of what time it is.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is definitely one of the challenges of working with people all over the world is just like the constant conversions.
1: <laughs> oh, we have the same problem. We, we do the, I host the aquapunks. cannabis conference as well uh, on youtube and um, we have the same problem trying to get people some south africa we had someone from bangalore someone from sweden last year so all those uh are switzerland i'm sorry not sweden and so trying to get people from both ends of the planet uh, uh, on the same you know stream can be quite challenging in terms of scheduling (laughs) so i feel you on that one Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your background. I know you've also um, worked a lot with algae and things like that we've spoken quite a bit about um, super labs and blue labs and other uh, algae uses we often talk about you. Excuse me got a frog in my throat today. Um, uh, We've often talked about um, using uh, spirulina dunks uh, on your grow plugs so that when you um, do your plant starts uh, or your seed starts, don't get the algae growth on on those or for your clones. um, That's another thing it's good for is preventing that algae growth on those plugs. Um, What are some of the different uh, uses that you did and some of the research that you did with algae, especially with the the controlled environment stuff?
0: Yeah, so uh, my experience with algae has been less on the agricultural production side and more in bioremediation. So basically, uh, algae algae is really good at sucking all kinds of toxins out of water and out of soil. So uh, a project that I worked on at Santa Fe Community College, actually, um, with Stephen Gomez, who is also going to be at the conference, I believe, um, was uh, we did a project through New Mexico State University. It was a it was a competition actually, where they they sent us a sample of produced mining water that had been contaminated with heavy metals. And me and a team of other community college students uh studied studied the the content of this water, uh studied different kinds of algae. We had um, don't mind some...
2: me just mixing up the terps. Oh
0: Sorry. no worries. <laughs> no worries. Yeah so we no worries. <laughs>
2: so <laughs> we 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 had a
0: <laughs> we had a polyculture of algae that we, we cultured from a, a actually a local lake in New Mexico that we used for this project. Um, and we created, we unfortunately did not get to finish building our bench scale of the, the system that we were going to cultivate this algae in because COVID happened and everybody started working from home. But the idea was, was basically that um, if you grow algae in water with heavy metals, the algae, uh, j- just like how algae will, will suck up salts from the water as its nutrients, it can also suck up heavy metals. And then when the algae flo- flocculates together and basically just falls out of the water, you can then remove the heavy metals, uh, dry out the algae, and you now have, instead of like hundreds of thousands of gallons of heavy metals in contaminated water, You have a a very small concentrated amount of of algae and you can dispose and deal with that a lot more easily than you can with with acres of of soil or a whole lake full of water
1: that's amazing um can you apply the algae to a soil and have it work it or is it more for the runoff treatment
0: uh the what i was working on was more for runoff treatment so it was going to be kind of like a a wastewater uh processing facility so so we would have uh been working with a hypothetical mining company to to clean up their their problem before it reached the environment so that that was the idea of it awesome
1: um i know that there's quite a few it's a big problem i know colorado alone has over 400,000 open mines across the state so um, I know across the west it must be you know millions uh, across all the different states so that's a really cool tool to to study. Um, have you done any work as far as like post-processing of that algae at all or, or what they do with it after they have it collected or?
0: Um, I have not personally. I know that there is work being done to to see how you could actually uh, remove the metals from the algae and then if it's if it's like a like a radioactive uranium or something like that you can either contain it get rid of it or if it's like a precious metal you can you can actually then use it for something so so there's kind of different approaches to that
1: tell us a little bit more about your education in aquaponics you you studied under charlie who's a well-known educator i worked with him for quite a while he's been on the show you can go back and listen to uh uh, it's one of our first hundred episodes. I think it's thirty or forty something, or it might be fifty something. I don't remember exactly. It's been quite a few episodes now. I, I kind of forget what what numbers what. Um, I go back and listen. Uh, it's a great, great episode. Um, tell us a little bit more about that and some of the different things that you guys worked on and studied there.
0: Yeah, yeah. the The, the program that Charlie has now is is really cool. So I, I didn't know much at all about aquaponics actually before I. Just kind of happened upon the program at Santa Fe Community College. I, I went to like a, a a college fair, and i I was told I should go talk to Charlie, <laughs> and he gave me a tour of their greenhouses, and I I was instantly hooked. Um, so I, I I came back for classes. Um, so there's there's of course intro to aquaponics classes where we learn about the, the microbial cycles, the nitrification cycle, we get to have, get actual hands on experience working with the plants, taking water samples. Um, I also They also usually have uh, some build classes. So one of the one of the cool things about the program right now is that because it's fairly young um, they haven't built all of the things that they hope to have. So for example, uh, they've had build classes where where students have have gotten to build a wicking bed system for the college, and get get learning hands on learning building experience by uh, kind of populating their greenhouse out there with the systems that they will then use to study. So, so it's it's really a, an opportune time to be in that program because um, you get to to have some input into. Into how it goes in the future, um, so yeah, they've got a they've got a really cool greenhouse out there. Um, can't remember exactly how how many square feet it is, but it's it's a much larger facility than you expect a community college to have. Very cool. I know. Uh
1: oh there i'm trying to pull up the website here for the uh the college i think this is the right website you can correct me if i'm wrong
0: yep that's it all right yep that's the the geodesic dome greenhouse that is the the small the much smaller of the two greenhouses that we now have the other one is probably probably 10 times the size of the one that you see there in that picture um and it's like a uh yeah, solar cool. greenhouse.
1: I know I've seen pictures on Facebook, but can't seem to find any on Google, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that uh, uh, Charlie himself is a, is a lot better about putting up pictures on the the controlled environment agriculture Facebook page than than the media is at finding us and getting pictures out there on the internet.
1: That's all right. Yeah, academics are always not as good at the, the PR thing. That's the the one da- one of the few downsides to the academia side of things. <laughs> you have less time Charlie, to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And more time focused on other things, you know?
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Charlie is definitely good about it, but the the college itself maybe not so much. <laughs> but
1: so, um, what is- are some of the other in- interesting aspects that you've? Um, Studied or worked on with aquaponics. I know you've worked on quite a few different things, which is kind of cool about your your background.
0: Um, I'd say one of the one of the, the things that I thought was coolest that I've done was also through Santa Fe Community College. Um, wasn't so much a studying or academic thing, but uh, during during COVID, during the height of the pandemic, when New Mexico was super locked down and a lot of people were even more food insecure than than they were prior to the pandemic. Uh, Santa Fe Community College uh, worked with a, a, non- a local nonprofit called Communities in Schools to really get their greenhouse like up and running at full production to get uh, tomatoes and lettuce out to families. So we grew tomatoes and lettuce. I was one of the, the greenhouse technicians on this project. We grew. Many many crates of tomatoes and lettuce every week, and then we coordinated to donate donate that produce to a non profit that put together grocery bags for people to come and pick up when uh, New Mexico New Mexico schools were locked down or were going from home for about a year. I, I think the rest of the country went back to in person a while before New Mexico did, but a lot of families in New Mexico really struggled because they. They relied on school lunches to feed their kids and once that wasn't happening anymore uh, a lot of community efforts like like what we did at Santa Fe Community College had to happen to make sure that families were still getting getting the groceries that they needed. So Santa Fe Community College is is great about working on with the community on projects like that
1: That's really cool. Um, uh, what type of fish species did you work with there?
0: We've got we've got tilapia, we've got goldfish, we have koi and some carp.
1: Well, that's cool. I know uh, a lot of people are moving towards the koi and, and carp side of things for, re- for redistribution, especially with uh, the cannabis side. Um, we can't actually get meat processing licenses, so gotcha mostly because you
2: told us yeah Wait, well what do
0: you guys do Koi and carp
1: yep we
2: do yeah That's yeah good. no so steve steve I, I feel like steve's been a. I'm just trying to give him some props but like i feel he's been, a, been ad, a big advocate for that you know and it makes total sense like you know like to grow 50 tilapia who the hell's gonna buy 50 tilapia from you that they have to like piece out themselves you know and process themselves like but you might find a pet shop that can move fifty koi for you, you know, or a landscaper, you know, or a landscaper. Yeah,
0: exactly. So you guys, you guys uh, sell your fish as well as the cannabis.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the so for the most, the best profitability in aquaponics in general is to go with uh, butterfly koi, just because they mm-hmm. have the best resale value per inch gained of like anything that's going to be within the, the tolerant levels of nutrient levels that you have in aquaponics. Uh-huh. Um, so in general, they're the, the best return of everything. Um, so that's what we launch with in general with, with cannabis. Also pet trade licenses, at mo- like the most expensive pet trade license in all of the US is $1,200 versus a fish processing license, which you're looking at anywhere from five to $35,000, depending on what what state you're in. So it's a much cheaper cost of entry just to get started versus okay. a cannabis license. Yeah, and then also cannabis is still technically Schedule One under under the, the federal government's rulings according to the DEA. So until that changes, the federal <laughs> agents which work for the USDA, the, the inspectors that inspect meat processing facilities can't step foot in the Schedule One
2: facility. Mm-hmm. There's a, a a, I'm also uh, tagging this thing on Instagram and, and this is kind of a base question, but uh, I think it's worth hearing your answer. Because um, I think you, you'd be a good answer. Well, you, like folks were saying, are koi and tilapia the only fish you can work with in, in aquaponics?
1: No, absolutely not. They're just the ones that are the most profitable because the fancy goldfish and koi will go for a better price. But um, if you want for self-sustainability, yellow perch, bluegill, tilapia. Um, if you want to let the water temperature go down in the wintertime, bluegill and, and yellow perch are going to be your best too. Um, just make sure that, especially if you're doing KNF, Take the labs, uh, the, the curds from your labs, and feed it to your um, bluegill or your um, uh, yellow perch because when they do, because they tend to kind of nip on each other a little bit. They're not necessarily to the point where they're killing each other, but the secondary infections that they can get sometimes can kill each other. And anyone that's done high density uh, of either of those fish knows exactly what I'm talking about. They usually lose one every couple of days mm-hmm. uh, or one, you know, every week or two. So that problem, um, if you add the curds from the labs, that doesn't happen. You know, they don't get those secondary infections and it, and it treats all of that. So that's one of the things that really amazes me is combining a lot of these amazing techniques that the soil and regenerative soil people have brought to the world uh, and applying it to aquaponics really has been kind of game changing in terms of mortality rates and and food safety and a whole bunch of other aspects of aquaponics.
2: What about like cold, extreme cold weather fish or on the opposite end, warm weather fish, You know, someone's asking about drought? Right. They're there on the cold side, but there's also more tropical, you know, and like even in the tilapia, uh, we, 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 we tend towards the blue, which are the cold, more cold tolerant of the tilapia.
1: Right. Right. The blue to- tilapia also
2: are less aggressive compared to <laughs> would there, what, what, what crops, I guess I'm, I'm trying to lead, but I'm not very well. What crops would you maybe lean for a warmer fish or a colder fish?
1: Sure. So for, for warmer um, fish species, the paku are going to be the best return. Um, nothing grows faster than apaku. If you're feeding a paku at optimal rates, nothing will grow faster than that. Um, on the cold weather side, grayling, arctic grayling is probably going to be your most profitable. It's an extreme demand uh, globally. And the price you can get for them is insane, but you're going to have to go with a, a decoupled system to do water that cold because they want it mm-hmm. to be like in the 30s and 40s Fahrenheit. Um, and and that, you know, you could absolutely do the fish part of that that way and then separate the waste stream and, and kick it out. But you can't really do much crops on that cold <coughs> temperature in terms of the root. Te- you know, It will stunt mm-hmm. the plants.
0: On the topic of warm water fish, do you guys have any any good ideas of how to how to keep Pythium out of your water if you're going up to temperatures that high?
1: Oh yeah, so we deal with this problem all the time in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, lactobacillus again, that's the, that's the number one reason why you need to be dosing liquid IMO and lactobacillus. If you dose that, I've seen systems get 70, 80 degrees, even 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, that's insane. You should never have that. But if stuff's failing, your chiller fails, your equipment mm-hmm. fails, right? Like it doesn't run 100% of the time. I've seen stuff get up to that high in temperature, but as long as we keep dosing lactobacillus once a week at a one to 1,000, we don't have problems. Even in those extremely screwed up situations, we do not have problems with E. coli, salmonella, pythium, root rot, septoria, a whole bunch of different fungal root diseases. We don't see it all, or we can immediately treat and reverse uh, if we do have an outbreak. Um, With the lactobacillus in particular, it is amazing for reversing those types of things and it's you can drink this stuff there's it's not toxic you know if your kid gets in and breaks in and drinks a gallon of it he's gonna have a bit of a stomach ache but you know it might throw up a couple of times but he's still gonna be wake up in the morning and be just fine mm-hmm. you know that you, you can't say the sa- same thing for anything else used to treat that
0: how similar are, are those the same bacteria that would be in like a, a sourdough starter or a like lacto-fermented pickles similar family of bacteria
2: absolutely in fact i could pull up some same family but there's a bajillions of like
0: right right
2: (laughs) that we don't know what they are so we just call it like we use the umbrella
0: factor yeah
1: yeah absolutely i think i think in five years from now you're going to see um lab lactobacillus dosing like required for food production for um um any kind of commercial aquaponic in fact i would be shocked if it isn't because it does such a good job at food safety and at just overall plant health um so this i mean you get a 12 12 to 20 percent increase in growth rates um you get you know reduced pythium e coli salmonella we've treated three separate commercial systems now for e coli and completely eliminated it within 30 days with lactobacillus wow. Um, it really is something that um, needs to be studied more and it's not getting the attention that it should and you can get it would you one... Steve?
2: can i slow you down for a second sure. and say would say would you agree with my thought that the mechanism the the, the, the actual the thing that's really being most effective is that, that you're like killing you're you're destroying like negative bacteria, negative pathogens, right? It's
1: it's working in two ways. So one, lactobacillus will actively feed upon many of these pathogens as a food source. So it's actively consuming them and eliminating them from the tissue that's already infected. But it's also feeding upon the metabolites and the decaying matter that would otherwise feed the pathogen that's colonizing, right? So you're reducing- the food. food. For the pathogen and you're directly consuming the pathogen at the same time. So you're kind of you're hitting it in two different mechanisms of action on that. Um, you're also increasing the vitamin B and accelerating the, the um, metabolism of the plants because lactobacillus is one of the byproducts that it makes is vitamin B as a, a side effect of, of its normal processes. So you're accelerating the growth rate so the plant can grow faster and regenerate faster while you're getting rid of the pathogen in two separate ways. But, I mean, again, it's super safe. You can use it at any point um, in your your cycle. It's one of the things that we teach in all of the aquaponics microbial or or cannabis classes or anything else that we teach um, for both pathogen use uh, for treating powdery mildew, pythium, septoria, uh, a whole wide range of different things. So if anyone wants to copy
2: that, they can go ahead and do that. We're back to the uh, trout question. Do you, you you've uh, really hammered me on that one, Steve. Yeah. So so
1: salmonids in general have a much higher sensitivity to potassium, especially when you're getting up into f- heavy flowering crops. It's perfectly fine if you want to do greens, but I would not do tomatoes, peppers, or cannabis at high production rates and with that. You're, you're there are two different things that need two different requirements that just don't aren't compatible. Um, but you a decoupled system. And,
2: You You can do it in a
1: decoupled system, but, and I, and there is a, you know, uh, our friends over at Habitat Life, they they absolutely do salmon with their, or salmon with their their cannabis production, but you're not really optimizing for one or the other. They also, one of the key things that they do, which I think is something that, that people need to know on their facility is they do significantly more pheno hunting than a lot of the other facilities. You know, they'll go through 3000 strains before they find one that that works with their system. Whereas we can take any strain with the dual root zone setup and setup and immediately adapt it to any system, which I think is a little bit more relevant to most growers. You know, you, most of us are having to grow whether or not we like it or not. And the commercial side of things, the hype shit, right? So we, we have to grow the popular strain this month or we don't sell stuff at the optimal price, right? That's just how the market's working right now. So we have to be able to grab anything and immediately adapt it. And if you're stuck in a, a bunch of stuff into a DWC system, it's gonna, well, you can still crush it and grow some incredible weed, but you can't immediately jump on and whatever the hottest strain is this month. And that's where I think that, the, the, especially the dual root zone side of things gives you a lot more, um, adaptability with with current, you know, any cultivar, any crop. Uh, I know that um, we've had people ask about growing elderberries or growing um, um, raspberries or blueberries or things that want to have a more acidic environment. Um, you can absolutely have a more acidic soil mix in a dual root zone or a waking bed. Uh, and it still allow for that mycorrhizal fungi to have an area to populate and, and give those secondary metabolites that they need to feed the plant for that plant to be successful. Same thing when we did OSHA root trials and a whole bunch of other stuff that was really important to have those secondary endophytes that had to live in that root system to, to be able to, you know, inhabit those, those areas and, and adapt that. So that's where really I think that people kind of need to get away from the soil aspect of aquaponics and move more towards the idea of aquaponics being the main fertilizer source of the plants being 75% or more or 70% or more. And then adopting that as the main.
2: That is That is the biggest thing. Like just to like really emphasize that, like, using aquaponics as the nutrient source. And like to clarify for folks that, that aren't understanding because Steve goes really fast sometimes, <laughs> a decoupled system means you have the fish in one system operating at their optimum level and their optimum environment. And then you take that that water and the nutrient, you filter it and you take that water or nutrient and you, you move it into the other system, but you change the climate essentially so it's perfect for that system, right? So if you're growing a, a crop that, that needs a warmer root, so maybe you warm the water as it goes through or, or find some way for the water to become warmer. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, usually you'd run them as two separate loops and then with one, maybe a shared sump or something that can exchange water from one to the other as needed or on a certain percentage, or you separate off the waste from those fish, mineralize that and then add that to the plant system, but still have them on one loop with maybe a five to twenty percent exchange over between the two systems uh, passively so we also like to do multi loops as well on big commercial systems where we have all the fish room plumbed up and each greenhouse has its own sump system that we can run any number of fish tanks so i can run all the fish tanks to that sump or i can run one fish tank or no fish tanks depending on what i want to do with it that's so, how
2: i set my farm up in, yeah. in minnesota before i met you i had it where I had one house that was the main house and then they would all send out to the different greenhouses and they would all have their own sump that would feed out. And so I could, you know, tweak that fucking shit, you know, yeah. which is nice yeah. to have that control because you can go fresh water if you need to at that point, you know, and clean, clean out a house, you know, and flat, flush out a house. It's good to, you know,
1: if you have a pathogen outbreak or something, you could isolate a greenhouse if you need to or whatever else to prevent any kind of outbreaks of anything and not that that happens, but it's nice to have the option or hey, equipment fails or I don't know, a a car, a a work guy working on a thing hit the gas instead of the brake and drove through the wall and, you know, we got water leaking, I can shut off that bay if I need to or whatever else and still keep filtration adequate or, you know, it gives you the ability to deal with any kind of catastrophe that comes onto the farm.
2: And you, you can really be creative and stack benefits in, in, uh, systems like that, where you use the the diverse aspect of your farm. Maybe you have a a hill or more sun on one aspect and you can move the water through systems accordingly, um, and be really creative, you know, it's, it's a cool fucking system to move nutrients through, through, um, it just really i i just you know for me my banner i want to wave is like hey it's a way to move nutrients around really fast really efficiently and uh you, you you just can't fucking beat it you know you don't lose right like we're we're like as i have some cows right now and it's my first time raising cows or calves and i see their shit sitting there and i'm just like i'm trying to do this stuff i got the chickens out there trying to break it up you know i'm like That shit is not gonna, you know, we're we're gonna lose a lot of this when it rains here in, in the next few weeks. It's gonna leach off, just the way it's gonna go. It sucks, you know, but in a closed system like this, like it's all can be captured. Do you want to describe
1: your system? So so Josh has a series of ponds that feed a greenhouse and a whole couple acres of of land that are all part of his natural aquaponic system. So he has a high water table and it all feeds back. It's amazing. Um, Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about it, Josh?
2: Well, sorry, I took some hot dabs before I kind of got my lungs going, but um. It's essentially uh, the pond is at the bottom, the big pond is at the bottom and I use a a, a generic pump to pump everything uphill through uh, into other ponds that I I use as filters and then down through gravel beds uh, to filter all the water, just like an aquaponic system. Uh, And then I'm able to harvest the water at the, at the, at, you know, the, at the bottom of it, the cleanest water and use that to go out to all my different systems for my animals and everything else. Um, As I was designing it though, like I didn't really, you know, like anything else you think about one aspect of it, you know, I was really just thinking about the water moving through the the system. And now that I, that's why I'm talking about these, these cows, these calves that I got and watching their shit sit there and realizing how that's going to migrate through the system you know, just, just the, the leaching. And so, um, I think there's gonna, there's, you know, there's gonna be for me and my farm, just like anything else, a little bit of fucking around with the whole thing, but, um, pre pre animal, you know, uh, mammals <laughs> running around on my farm, you know, it, it was working pretty well. Like the ducks were okay and everything. Um, you know, and everything's working really good. And, and, and but, um, yeah i'm just i'm just looking forward to, to what happens and having to be careful and think like i can't overload the system with these guys so
0: kind of the the scientific method of farming fuck around and find out right fuck around and find out yeah
2: exactly <laughs> <clears throat> steve so, ran off of
0: us yeah so how long have you had that, that farm that you're on now?
2: Um, Where are you located two, now? I'm in Washington, Northwest Washington, right up by the border of Canada. Uh, I've been here since right. 2016, um, about this time, you know, so five, six years. Um, and it's been, it's been a slow, a slow process of me. You know, making change and doing things, and, 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 you know, it's, you know, mostly financially driven. I wish I could just come through with a big foul swoop and make my little paradise, but uh, I do a chunk at a time, you know. So, uh, I like, just like this thing that I'm talking about, you know, getting the, the cows here is something I've just <clears throat> been wanting to do forever. And then they, they got there and started shitting immediately. And I was like, oh, you know, like dumbass, like, you know. I don't, you know, I, I I just naturally, you know, I mean, I I read reading all the right books, you know, Salatin and and it's and searching out, reading all those right gurus and understanding the right systems. But uh, in reality that those guys aren't thinking about like harvesting water downhill of that. Right. When they're talking about this. And so like it may or may not be the right system to have that type of animal in, you know, I
1: still think we have so much more to learn, uh, especially when it comes to nutrient cycling and things. I know I'm super stoked. Uh, I was talking to Matt Powers the other day about sending him off samples uh, for DNA testing to start learning about the nutrient cycling and other things. I'm super excited to to work on some more um, projects like that that are going to help uh, unravel some of these mysteries because um, you know there's there's certainly a, a huge boost to uh, growth rates and production when it comes to aquaponics that we simply haven't seen in anything else and. Uh, Uh, We've proven that many times over we've seen as much as 300% increase in total terpenes, um, you know, 7 to 15% increase in flowering or reduction in flowering times um, and huge increases in yields I know uh, we had um, uh, the people on from Aquilitas and they were talking Danielle and she was talking about up to 53% increase in total yield uh, in some cultivars so (laughs) you know that's a not a small amount, uh, by any means. So, what are um, uh, any other uh, uh, interesting crops that you were growing or working with uh, in your studies?
0: Me or Josh, Joshua.
1: You. Uh, Natasha, I'm sorry.
0: No, uh, we we grew some turmeric at Sanfee Community College, which was which was pretty cool. Um, we didn't do any any larger scale studies to see how it would be profitable. In, in in the commercial scale system but it, it was very fun to, to just prove that it could be done we did it in like How a, did a little, we did it in like a, a little uh kind of like we called it a barrel ponic system it was like cut in half rain b- barrels filled with leca um uh medium beds with the water circulating coupled system is had, like a
2: like I don't know what like I'm imagining it's like a, like a core, like a spongy type material.
0: Uh, no, it stands for a light expanded clay aggregate. I think one of the big brand names. Oh, okay, is like, like Hydroton. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't remember if that was the brand that we used. So yeah, but but yeah, yeah. so we got I think we had only about like six to eight square feet and we got 13 pounds of turmeric at a harvest and fresh fresh turmeric is is amazing in terms of health benefits and in terms of how much uh, a big store like whole foods would charge you for it so that was that was pretty cool to get
1: oh yeah it does great in aquaponics especially wicking beds or something that's a little softer but it works good in the media beds as well yeah That's really cool. Uh, is that uh, any other crops that you worked with or is that mainly the one that you were studying?
0: Um, Probably the main the main crop that I, I have worked with is actually tomatoes. We did we did trials of a, a bunch of I think it was about 20 different heirloom tomato varieties that we had gotten from Baker Creek uh, to see how they would do in aquaponics and in a greenhouse and Uh, how how easy they would be to to handle in a in a dutch bucket system Um, some of them they were all delicious but some of them were 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 like just their their growth habit was not as easy to work with in a greenhouse setting so they'd they'd be fun to do as like a, a home grower but maybe not as as good if you're trying to get a large amount of production and pay employees to to walk what, through your tomato jungle.
1: What problems were you seeing?
0: Um, so we definitely had uh, one of the big problems was just that uh, some of them were just so bushy that in a small in a small space they just weren't space efficient. You you end up wasting so much labor time trying to like crawl amongst the the jungle and and trim the plants that. They they just didn't produce enough enough fruit for the amount of space that they took up.
1: Do you remember what nutrient levels they were running for potassium on that one?
0: Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that we actually tested the the different. I think we we only tested about like once a semester. Okay, I'm
1: just curious. Which, uh, which tomatoes is up lichen from, from Baker Creek from the, in that trial? Uh,
0: my personal favorite was the Berkeley tie-dye. Uh, those are those are really delicious. Um, another really good one is Brad's Atomic Grape.
2: I was going to say
1: all those anthocyanin-producing grapes are always really good.
0: Yeah. Plus Brad's Atomic Grape is just a, a super fun name.
1: You can slam the purple if you boost the molybdenum levels. Uh, in oh, the, that's in- good to know. Yeah, same thing with red lettuce or purple weed. It's all the same production. The plant will produce extra anthocyanin to lock out the molybdenum to stop nitrogen because too much molybdenum can be a problem. But Mm -hmm. in aquaponics, I feel like people don't talk about molybdenum enough because molybdenum is used to convert nitrate, excuse me, nitrate back to ammonia, and it has to use some molybdenum to do that. And it gets stripped out faster than most other minerals do in aquaponics compared to hydroponics. It's they're like eight times faster in aquaponics in terms of molybdenum sh- uh, stripping so you have to account for that whereas in hydroponics there's a lot of ammonia and nitrate so it's not you know the only thing and so um, people oftentimes especially older aquaponics systems the red stuff isn't red or purple anymore um it's a really common problem that's why
0: interesting yeah i i have read a little bit about uh people people saying that modern the modern food system the the food that we grow it in like industrial agriculture is so much less nutrient dense than than it used to be and that's that's partly due to the fact that we only grow like a few varieties of of tomatoes for example we don't have like the the, the color varieties you can't find a purple tomato at the grocery store and we're missing out on all the great antioxidants that those different colored vegetables have
1: well well think about it the, most of those crops are grown in sterile environments why would those plants produce any secondary metabolites that they would right. need themselves that have those antioxidants or flavonoids or terpenes or other important compounds that have health benefits when they're grown in sterile environments because that they're doing because it's cheaper for pest control well if you put the right types of microbes on it you're going to get a better result you're going to get all those antioxidants and flavonoids and terpenes and other things um and and you're going to have that better it's so that's why living soil and aquaponics will produce you know better flavors and regardless of what it is that you're growing be it cannabis or lettuce or tomatoes or anything
0: else yeah i've become a real snob in terms of tomatoes after after working in that greenhouse i just i, I cannot buy like a, a basic basic bitch tomato off the shelf at the grocery store because it just I, I taste it and it just makes me sad.
1: So we did a study at the aquaponics source where we were trying to figure out why the aquaponic tomatoes tasted different than the soil tomatoes because we got some really good cuts from one of the guys that were run the um, Boulder County Fair or State Fair uh, lived out in Boulder that Sylvia knew so we got these tomato cuts, we grew them. In fact, they're in. there's cuts of that same plant in the um, anyone that seed my dual root zone slides. And we have the two clones that started off with the huge root zone and the tiny root zone. Those were clones of that same plant that I'm talking about. So we tested the tomatoes in terms of the tissue samples of the tomatoes and the leaves. And what we found was the soil ones had more chloride and silica than the ones in the aquaponics. And as soon as we dosed those, uh, and uh, um, it was in a mature system as well just for it was in a lab system so it wasn't a fresh system it completely you know matched the flavor almost entirely where you couldn't tell which one was which but until we had that that chloride level above 70 parts per million and below 70 to 110 parts per million is the, the optimal level for chloride and aquaponics uh, and then the um, silica levels, which is anything above about 50 or parts per million or so, will give you that, that flavonoid expression that that increases that flavor. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people don't talk about silica is another one that often isn't talked about enough in aquaponics. Um, it makes a huge difference in pest resistance, powdery mildew resistance, pythium resistance. We talked about pythium earlier on the show. Um, That's another great way to help make your plants more uh, able to defend themselves Um, if they have high levels of silica, it actually will trigger multiple different genes in the uh, plants, regardless of what it is in fact it's well documented in many um, field crops wheat soybeans corn. You can actually look up exactly what gene it is, but those have minimum silica bioavailability parts per million thresholds. And if it's not at a high enough threshold, it doesn't activate that gene to trigger that expression to make the plant produce the things that make it more defensible. So that's why having those available is so important. And it's easily adaptable for aquaponics by switching from the traditional um, potassium hydroxide or carbonate uh, or calcium hydroxide or carbonate Regimen to a potassium silicate and cal- a calcium carbonate regimen, or potassium bicarbonate occasionally thrown in there. Um, that's a much better pH up regimen than what's traditionally been taught by um, many of the other sources. Just dump some
2: out- aspirin in there. Yeah,
1: I mean you can do that too. You could do um, um, horsetail ferments. You can do stinging nettle. Stinging nettle actually has more sil- bioavailable silica than horsetail does. Most people don't know that. Um, but it also oh, wow. has many trace elements, so it'll have manganese and molybdenum and all bunch of other things. Just make sure it's not from a source near heavy metals because it will also have those too if it's from a bad source. <clears throat> so I think, you know, again, adopting a lot of these soil uh, types of methodologies for isolating and, and um, utilizing different nutrient sources from plants in liquid or fermented forms or aer- aerobic forms, regardless of, of what is that you're doing, uh, can be a huge resource for people. I know we had Quan Fem on the show who's doing that almost exclusively for all of his nutrients, not even using any mineral salts at all. So um, you can certainly get there. I think we just need to learn a little bit more about microbial communities and um, you know proper methodology. Well, we've had you on for about an hour i don't know um, how much time that you have here you're more than welcome to uh, uh hang out with us but uh, uh i wanted to make sure that we didn't uh, take up your whole evening
0: no worries this has been a, a very fun evening um i guess one more thing about the association that i'd love to to say before we we jump off um if, if people are catching this on soon after the day that we record it we have a a, a webinar on Friday, September 9th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, we've got Danielle Maitland, who has been working on a a massive project, putting together a really comprehensive spreadsheet of all of the aquaponics research that she has been able to find since the 70s and entering this into one spreadsheet with the names of the authors, some of the, the control variables that they were working with and Putting that together as a resource that people can use for uh, research in the future. And she's going to be talking about that project on Friday and how more people can get involved. So again, that is Friday, September 9th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find the uh, the registration link on the Aquaponics Association's Facebook page or on the on the Aquaponics Association community forum. So <clears throat> come check that out as well as the conference
1: i'll throw that in the description here for anyone listening to the show uh, we'll make sure that's in the description as well
0: sweet awesome
1: yeah she uh she's been on the show a couple of times uh, she's also going to be on this year's aquaponic cannabis conference um, which cool. is the first weekend of november um, she was on last year's as well she had a wonderful presentation about breaking down a bunch of the different research that they had done um, running different soil mixes with aquaponic uh, aquaculture water um, that was mineralized, so super stoked to
2: have her back this year talking she had about She a great presentation. I thought that was her. I, I couldn't remember. Yeah. yeah. She had a great presentation.
1: So, so for those of you that aren't familiar with the presentation that she was just talking about, she built a whole database that's searchable um, that has all of the aquaponic white papers that have ever been published so that yeah. you can find all whatever topic that you want. So if you wanna research insects or potassium or lettuce varieties or whatever, you can search that in this database and then it'll give you the, to the best of its ability, the, the papers that it thinks are relevant to covering that topic, which is incredible. So um, yeah. she's gonna help simplify a lot of the research that a lot of us like to do at home and all the rabbit holes that we like to jump down um, and super yes. stoked to, to bring her back on the show once she has that publicly available. Um, we're very much also happy to um, contribute to, to her work as well. And we love having her on. Uh, she's definitely one of our favorite guests.
0: Yes. And she is adamant that this, this resource will be available to the public for free. She's not trying to make any money off of it. So it's it's a really incredible thing that she's done. And I'm excited to talk to her on Friday. I'll be hosting that webinar.
1: Super, super stoked for that one. Uh, I know I'll be there. I already signed up for it. And I'm Sweet. very excited to uh, to hear even more of her work because uh, every time we chat, uh, I'm always uh, in awe of, of how much work that she puts in. So, and if you're in Canada, you can actually buy her cannabis um, from Aquilitas or Reef. Um, be sure to check them out uh, on uh, whatever legal platform that you have available to yourself up there uh, so we don't get ourselves flagged.
0: <laughs> Important.
1: Oh yeah, you have no idea. <laughs>
0: I don't even want
1: to no. know. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Is there any way, uh, anything else you wanted to mention or promote before we um, uh, switch gears? I was going to have Josh uh, uh, also mention, he's got a couple of things he's been working on as well, uh, but uh, you're more than welcome oh, cool. to hang out or if there's anything else that you wanted to mention or um, talk about, we're happy to answer questions. Uh, Josh and I both have a lot of experience doing aquaponics. So.
0: Yeah, it's been really great talking to you guys. I have nothing more much going on from my end.
1: Cool. But well, we appreciate you and thank you for taking the time. You're always welcome back. If you ever have anything that Association's trying to get the word out on, just let us know. We're happy to have you back.
0: For sure. Thanks so much. It was great meeting you both and chatting.
1: Yeah, and definitely looking forward to seeing what other uh, awesome research that you uh, continue to work on and, uh, and other uh, projects. Uh, Sounds like you're you have quite a diverse background and really excited to see what you do in the future.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah. I, I hope to be back with more cool things someday.
1: Thank you. Have a good
2: one. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Nice Bye-bye. to meet you.
0: Cool. Jump off and leave you to it.
1: <laughs> uh that was really great. Um and everybody that's out there, be sure to check out um, we'll throw that back up on the screen one more time. Uh, the aquaponics association conference in oklahoma september 30th through october 2nd um, they have tours and uh, workshops and talks it's a really good time lots of networking opportunities as well so be sure to check that out if you're in oklahoma or uh, wanting to learn more about the aquaponics uh, commercial side of things especially as <coughs> operators show up each year uh, and universities so if you're looking for education if you're an educator you want to learn more about um, you know K through 12 education how to apply aquaponics to that it's another great resource um, I know that there's um, um, Ed Tavon who's one of the people that works with the association who's an incredible uh, credible guy over there always working on different educational programs uh, with the association putting out uh, open source information through the association uh, on uh, aquaponic lesson plans and things like that for different teachers and things so uh, definitely a great group of people that are putting out a lot of good things and trying to help educate not just us stoners but also you know the next generation on how to grow food and how to grow all the other things that we're gonna need. You know, it's not just about uh, uh, the stuff that we do on the show each week.
2: And a ton of really high quality uh, educators that are uh, speak at the, speak at speak at it. I mean. Uh, I I got to be a part of it, and I'm like the the least qualified person. Seriously, and the whole crew, um, everyone is really doing some serious projects, some serious uh, experiments, and um, it's it's really cool. I, I don't know, like it's if, if you're into aquaponics, I think it's well worth the time to uh, hop in this sucker because. I was impressed, there was like three, two to three people that were, were doing kind of similar concepts that I, I, I fuck with in the soil and aquatic, you know, melding the two together. Um, but, but folks were taking it a little bit more serious in their, their measuring, you know, than I do. I'm, I'm a little uh, pinch of this, a pinch of that type, uh, you know, chef, where uh, some of these guys were really getting serious and it was cool to see. Like, you know, the lady you were just talking about that's gonna speak tomorrow. Um, i remember she they had a pretty dialed, and there was another dude from england there was another guy that was doing the same thing at the uh the rooftop beds i remember um yeah, he's been him. running like two or three years in a row
1: he was at the uh, aquaponics cannabis conference as well from mm-hmm. the uk talking about his different research with different soil types yeah <laughs> that was really interesting research as well we had a uh, i'm really looking forward to this year's we got a, a big diverse thing i haven't uh, I'm actually working on the final schedule this week and trying to get the, we have one or two spots left. So if you are looking to apply, um, you can find the application in the description of the show. Um, We do have one or two spots left this year. Um, We're kind of changing it up. We're going to go to our best of our ability, alternate between producers and scientists. So it'll be like a scientific talk and then more of a commercial talk or a panel or something like that, and then a scientific talk and a commercial because I felt like we did that um, kind of to a loose extent last year and it worked really well and I feel like um, that were that you know it would be a great format for this year's as well. Nice. Keep
2: missing my dad, my my. We also okay. we, sorry. Uh, we also have some really cool
1: speakers as well. Um, uh, Nigel Palmer will be joining us this year, talking to us about some of the different work that he's done with different. Um, uh natural farming inputs uh, chris trump will be back this year we have bane from um, vertica he's gonna be giving a talk this year um like uh, i'm trying to think who else i have a whole bunch of people on the list but uh we have a couple of new people we have a couple of people that are coming back again this year breeder steve is going to be there talking about you know more of his work down in columbia <clears throat> so it's gonna be a good time definitely don't want to miss it and if you haven't checked out we have two whole years of conferences in fact there's like four straight days of or two and a half three days of, of actual video content over four days um that we did because we last year was like 14 hour days or something and the year before that was 10 or 12 hour days so um we're gonna have a slightly shorter format we'll probably do eight or ten hour days is because i'm gonna be in thailand and it's gonna be all night for me so um i'm not trying to do the crazy long days again back. So, yeah, woe is me. That's <laughs> all right. Big thank you to Steve for, for making that happen. But, uh, but yeah, so I'll be leaving here at the end of the month, probably the weekend of, of the week of the 20th um, to take off to Thailand, barring any kind of issues that come up.
0: Ooh.
1: Carolina, from another continent like i said it'll be nice it'll be morning uh my time instead of the evening here. so we'll be good i can
2: even show you guys
1: what we're doing during the day there so it'll be fun
2: yeah i'm excited to see it man uh i'd love to find an excuse to go over and check it out but we'll figure something out yeah <clears throat>
1: what uh what are you working on or growing these days? What are you growing currently? um
2: I've been doing popping and just kind of organizing plants and uh popping a lot of seeds. I heard your dogs are growing a little ape shit
1: yeah she's that's my one of the dogs barking in her sleep
0: <laughs> oh
2: uh, shoot yeah <laughs> that's a ferocious sleep part dude <laughs> yeah you should yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Feel very safe at night.
2: I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been I've been popping a lot of seeds, um, and moving seeds around, planting seed seedlings. Um, gonna pop some more here in a few days, and yeah, I I don't know, I, I kind of I found a, a rhythm. It sounds kind of funny, but I like the the winter run, the, the early winter run, you know, pre winter run. You know where like i've, I've kind of just like fell into this rhythm you know and i do it like sort of on accident but it's happened in the last three or four years in a row where i'm planting around this time you know pulling a depth or something this year i didn't pull a depth or anything but i'm putting seedlings in and i'll harvest them early september um and it's it's a really cool time to uh you know with a greenhouse like mine where i have some supplemental lighting a little heat to bump it up, and I'm not paying for the heat of January, February, where it's really cold. Um, but you can get a, a a better than indoor, a really, really better than indoor crop. You know, I don't have to fight the heat. Um, the temperatures are exactly where I want them to be, and it's not super expensive. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm kind of trying to test a bunch of stuff and. Te- te- just test, 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 you know, test seedlings and and um, find stuff that I can then s- then sell the seeds up, you know, that's that's the goal, that's what's going on. I'm uh, really excited about the dog liquor stuff that I just pushed out, so I'm, I'm, I've got a room I'm going to do another room of that that and the puck liquor and <clears throat> just keep those lines going because I'm, I'm really excited about them. Um, I'm testing a bunch of the mead mug crosses um a bunch of the the root beer frost crosses so um i end up like essentially ripping off mean gene from mendocino a ton um and like get seeds from him and like i I grow them out and love them and then like okay i gotta cross them with everything i have and i do that and then i kind of will like spin off lines of that you know and then i'll cross more you know so now i'm just basically taking genes lines and crossing them and back into each other and and adding a little bit of my own, um, clone selection. And, and, you know, so it's, it's kind of mine you know, by the time I release it, it's kind of mine and it's becoming more mine, but it's also, um, you know, with, you know, I would say 50%, 30, 40, 50% of of the genetics I hold have kind of come from him. So it's cool. You know, Oh, I can't hear you. I don't know why. No, yes, no. Oh, there you are. All right.
1: Anything in particular you're looking forward to?
2: <clears throat> um Yeah, there's a ton. There is um the, this pink uh, champagne cross lime one um cross a lime pop kush. Um, I'm excited to check those ones out. Um, there's a bunch of uh, special indica crosses that he sent me, so I was going to look at look at those. Um, there's you know like four or five, six of those that I'm looking at. Um, other than that, it really, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the root beer frost stuff, and 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 there's a there's a blue bowl cut fino that that we're all excited about that I've been kind of gearing everything towards, and so. Um, The seeds that that he just released are the F2. Um, It's like a a root beer BX, BX2, F2, you know, if that makes any sense. And then I F3'd it, and then I F4'd it. So um, I'm I'm not like trying to release those seeds, but I'm really, I just keep, I, I, I continue to be excited about them. and and make more and so um i'm taking those and mush mush them into stuff because i just really like them i guess that's just the funniest way to say it but like yeah i just really like them so i've been fucking with those a lot um and i'm trying to think of everything that's in my greenhouse sorry it's a little hard like without walking walking in there looking at the tags because i just planted stuff you know they're really small um, there's some stuff from uh, T. Bezel. He, he gave me some of his stuff. And there's some stuff from Masonic. Um, I'm going to plant a bunch of Nick's uh, Royal Kush stuff here pretty soon. <clears throat> yeah. That's awesome. It sounds like you got quite a
1: few different
2: things
1: going.
2: Yeah, there's a bunch of bunch going on. Sorry, I wish I was better. I should be better at uh, listening it off. But uh, I just I'm honestly just keep popping and popping and popping. And then like the stuff that sticks and gains traction is kind of like, you know, you know, the stuff that I kind of energize towards more, you know,
1: anything that's been particularly good in the washes.
2: Um, the, again, again, the root beer frost stuff is really good. The mead mug stuff is really good. Um, one thing that I, I, I have kind of like <laughs> that, I really like Skittles. And, um, so like when I really sort of turned the leaf in my mind and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to breed. It was, it was kind of, uh, based upon smoking the dog Walker, uh, and, uh, um, skittles together in a joint saying oh i want to make this flavor in a plant um because i re- but i really do like the skittles even though I, I don't really care for growing the skittles plant you know so um i'm excited i got those um those mumbo seeds from archive which is like a skittles bx mixapalooza you know of his skittles um deal and so I'm excited to get test that I just popped those. Um, I put those in soil and I'm excited to get those into some things and kind of just go more towards that stuff, you know. Like I have the the post Malone and and the black whop gold that's got the Skittles in it, it's the Black Lime Reserve Cross Royal Cush um or Testerosa cross royal kush and the testerosa has the Skittles in it, you know, so I'm steering more towards getting a little more of that in there.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about
2: those. um <coughs> The post. Uh-huh. So the post. Someone was asking about the post Malone. So the the Black walk Gold is the Black Lamb Reserve crossed Testerosa. Testerosa is the Magnum Opus, aka Royal Kush, cross Skittles, and then the Post Malone is dumped onto the Gary Payton, and so that's what the Post Malone is. And 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 in the Post Malone cut, it really expresses that Skittles uh terpene um and it's a really beautiful plant where the Skittles plant is not is not a strong plant this is a really strong plant but it has this like extra thing in it you know so that's why i was excited to get back to those moonbow seeds and hit those back on those those post malones and buck around with those you know nice
1: i know uh, all the stuff that you brought out to humboldt was fucking fire
2: Cheers. Let's on with. To,
1: you? Uh, oh, I've just been working on. Uh, I got it. Actually, we, I'll show you guys something cool because I haven't, I haven't really shown many people this. I've been working on it, but I don't see any reason why I can't show you this. So this is a huge veggie grow I'm working on right now for a charity group. That's cool. Doing a big, uh, a big build out. But it's pretty cool. I'll show you guys. So this is uh, SANS Plumbing. I have plumbing on a different version of this so Let me share my screen here. I think you guys can see that, right?
2: almost it's loading there we go all right so this is the facility the big
1: vegetable facility of the fridge loading dock food processing clone room seedling room and your your fish room so I'm working on this
2: pretty cool it's a one acre build go back to the over the top bird's eye view yeah, so this is a one acre
1: indoor greenhouse climate controlled.
2: So what what are the different like the size beds I see? Like, you know, I assume it was a five foot, a three foot, an eight foot, something like that.
1: So these are four feet, these are eight. So pretty cool. Something different.
2: What's the what what's going in, in the different beds? Like why are they um, why are they stacked like that?
1: So about half of it'll be um, leafy green production, the rest will be a diverse range of other crops. Um, The idea is to basically meet as many of the different grocery store crops that you normally buy in in one system as you you can get so that you can make these very small grocery stores that can kind of be dropped into anywhere that have um, regular food production. So, you know, if you're trying to have like so much for root crops and so much for leafy greens and so much for fruiting crops, you can kind of have all those different things constantly available. Um, through one system so it's pretty neat we put a lot of, a lot of different um, ideas into this can you um scale that concept
2: up and down
0: yeah
1: that, that's the reason for going for the one acre size kind of prove that this works no matter what you do
2: um, <clears throat> yeah, i mean because like if you you know scaling that both ways is really cool right down to the quarter acre down to the 16th acre down to the, you know, well, what basement. It,
1: what it comes down to is oftentimes it's way cheaper to grow a like a whole bunch of people food um, in a split space that's just outside of town where where, you know, or or an unincorporated where it's a lot easier to do the actual, you know, agriculture <laughs> part of it and then have some, you know, grow containers or uh, refrigerated shipping containers or some other kind of smaller scale you know, small lot grocery store redistribution. So you can grow a couple of these outside of town and then bring the, the food in, into town at a low cost and then deliver maybe the top 30 or 40% of it. That's the more premium stuff to the higher end restaurants and stuff to kind of supplement the cost and um, to keep the cost as low as you can for the people that don't have quite as much money. So that's the whole idea with the, the setup. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. It's a different idea, you know, different concept. I'm, I'm super stoked about to be involved and, uh, I did the design on the full aquaponics portion of it. So you'll be able to, to get crops from that, um, next year in Oklahoma. So check that out. Uh, if you're in the Tulsa area, you'll be able to buy from us next year. So definitely, uh, check that out. Um, any other crops that you're growing there at your farm? I know you grow quite a few different
2: things. I uh, just started a bunch of peppers and tomatoes, uh, three different types of San Marzano's. I've been trying to like hunt down San Marzano varieties to find, you know, either the one I like the best for making pizza sauce or the combination I like the best for making pizza sauce. So I'm going to, you know, grow, grow as many as I can and then make sauce of them all and mix that together. And then, you know, like just fuck around like you do, you know, Um, or like, like you do, like I do, like, you know, I'm doing the same thing with uh, some uh, sourdough starters. I got two different sourdough starters from old you know, one's a hundred years old from Montana. One's 150 years old from <laughs> Look, it's Oh, I'm always going to come back to talking about pizza. Just, just talk and deal with it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah so i no but i seriously i i, I planted a bunch of peppers and, to, and tomatoes to fuck with pizza um i don't really know where it's going yet you know whether it's going to be like i think it will just be me doing some events here at my farm so stay tuned for for that it was probably what it'll be i you know it might be like a a, a first friday or last friday type thing like you know last friday of the month um pizza friday type deal like come to the farm and you can buy plants and seeds and smoke some pizza you know
1: smoke some pizza did you just
2: say yeah yeah smoke some pizza drink a doobie there you go
1: smoke your pizza drink a doobie
2: at don pizza's pizzeria well
1: that's cool um any upcoming events that
2: you have going on? Uh, nope. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the the first the next thing I have going on is uh, in November, I'm going to the Country Roots Lime Rising Farm Thanksgiving event. I'm going to be cooking at and cooking for that event, which I'm really stoked at, about. Um, we we'll be doing turkey, like a traditional Thanksgiving uh, type meal with mac and cheese. And um, so, yeah, that's going to be super fun. But in terms of me planning, uh, planning events, I'm uh, I'm doing a lot of thinking about it. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of events. And so uh, I'm trying not to step on everybody's uh, event toes and um, and also like just just like kind of like no wanting to crowd the space so i'm trying to I'm trying to be creative and, and and figure out how exactly to uh, take the next next approach to it you know what i mean uh, honestly i don't feel like doing uh the regen the way that it was with all the speakers is is the way to keep keep moving forward but i, th- I feel like that something <laughs> smaller and more approachable uh is, is the way to do it i'm still just kind of trying to figure out the format in my head you know that's straight up what's going on is i'm, I'm trying to figure out like what fit, fit feels best. And I'm really feeling based. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it'll probably it may it could pop out next week, you know, it could take me a month to figure it out, but I think it's going to be something like, uh, you know, me, me traveling around to where the different speakers are and, um, doing events just with like maybe one or two speakers, you know, uh, and, and a little more intensive, a little bit cheaper, um, type deal. You know, I'd like to do some yeah, maybe even a maybe even a a, court, a week like you know where people come to the farm and uh, spend some you know spend a week with me here, or maybe maybe a a vacation uh, region in Thailand or something like that. You know where <clears throat> folks come and tour some places, or I I don't know. I'm I'm just really trying to expand my mind on the concept, you know, and, and not beat, beat the concept to death. You know, like we've, we've done like four years solid of, of the same fo- same folks, and it's been really cool and really powerful, and um, all those folks still have a lot more to share, and I still wanna work with all of those folks. I'm just trying to think about a different, different slightly different format for it, you know, that makes more sense, you know, for everybody. A camp out, yeah, that would be uh, fun.
1: Yeah, I do. I think that's what you need to do. Someone in chat suggested that like Camp Compost in Michigan sounds dope. I think maybe that's what you need to do, man. That's my suggestion. I'm going to take that from Soil Biota Guru Permaculture Warrior uh, in chat here. Uh, um, I'm going to I'm read yeah, yeah. that and say that. Maybe that's what you need to do, is do like a weekend retreat and and a camp out where everyone hangs out the whole weekend or something. That, that would be dope. Yeah, I've thought about
2: that maybe a winter camp
1: sledding in in a warm part of the world Mm. (laughs) like thailand yeah thailand jamaica i got i got two of your bases covered we can cover the other one somehow but south africa i got three of them covered
2: that'd be fun that'd be super awesome let's do it
1: anyways um i think we'll wrap up the episode um uh, do you want to mention everybody how to find you and how to find your different uh, yeah cheers
2: thanks for having me having me on steve um it's always a good time uh, i'm on uh regenerative or dutch blooms on instagram and i um, feeling a little bit tired tonight but usually i'm a little bit more lively and uh, i really appreciate everyone that's 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 buy, bought seeds from me and uh supports what I do. Um, it, it just means the world to us and it supports my family. And um, look at that melting in the heads. Well, fuck that, you know, let's just say that right now at the end of the event, let's drop that, that bullshit down. But yeah, um, I, I sell seeds for, my, for myself, Dutch Blooms, and I sell other folks seeds. House of Selection is a project with me and, and Lime Rising Nick. Uh, Rebel Grown, I got Urban, urban Turb Factory, Men, Mendocino Seed Supply, Family Tree Seeds, um, Freeborn Selection, Medium for Mendocino, um, a ton of good stuff, you know, so that, that's what I do to, to make money. And uh, I put on educational events uh, to make myself uh, feel like I'm impacting the environment in a positive way. And um, that's my MO. And I grow a lot of weed here and in, in, in between.
1: Nice. Well, glad to have you on. And um, let me rewrap uh, our original guests here. We had uh, Natasha on from the Aquaponics Association. They have the Regen co- or Aquaponics Association Conference. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> Aquaponics Association Conference, uh, September 30th and to October 2nd, over at uh, aquaponicconference.org for our audio listeners. And then you can find out their website over at aquaponicsassociation.org. Uh, that's aquaponics with an S, plural, um, not singular, uh, just in case you uh, you type that out. I think it goes somewhere else. Anyways, um, check that out. A great group that i would love to work with for a long time. And then you can check out their lecture here If you, in case you're looking for the link, uh, you can check that out here. For people in audio world, um, that's a, https colon backslash backslash buff, B-U-F-F dot il backslash three as in c3po uh rd as in nine that was very confusing zero <laughs> hf that's buff dot ly backslash three <laughs> rd nine zero hf check that out actually is uh. that H or a zero i can't tell i'll be honest with you it might be at all <laughs> At any rate, it's on the screen. <laughs> Check it out on YouTube if you're listening to this in audio format. I'll put the link in chat. Don't worry. We're just having fun. Oh
2: my goodness.
1: All right, guys. Um, we will be back next week. Um, oh, no. We'll be back on Thursday. We have um, ATG Acres, who's a great regenerative natural farming soil grower out here in Oklahoma. He'll be with us on Thursday. And tomorrow we're that smoke show bro yes and tomorrow is that smoke show so we have a whole other channel let me throw it up here in fact i totally forgot to bring that up because i'm just dropping the ball big time here today um you can check us out here uh, at that smoke show it's a little bit different format than we have for this show it's a little bit more laid, laid back we joke around a lot more we kind of just bs a lot more um more history channel kind of stuff um I don't know, whatever. Um, we talk about different cooking recipes and all different types of fun stuff with a bunch of different- Mostly products. pizza. We just mostly talk about pizza. Yeah, well, he mostly talks about pizza and then I make funny memes to make fun of him. So it's come good times. So uh, <laughs> come hang out. It's, uh, we have a really good time on that show. Um, also be sure to check out our class, apmjclass.com or uh, AP, uh, thepestclass.com. Uh, is the other website and then we have the open nutrient project uh, website as well opennutrientproject.com uh, for your free resource database to make your own inputs how do people find you again josh dutch blooms dutch blooms and all the things dutch oh, underscore blooms, underscore yep underscore on instagram and you can find me on potent ponix soundcloud youtube itunes all the things spotify um, all The different stuff, uh, and then we will have again the aquaponics cannabis association, aquaponic cannabis conference. Um, the third, very first weekend of November. <laughs> I can't even talk tonight, I should just stop. This hash is really good, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, shout out to Jordan River, brought me some very nice, um, locally made uh, live rosin the other day uh, yesterday, and uh, I kind of waited till today to try it. I should not have done that. It's very good. So thank you, Josh, or Jordan, sorry. <laughs> Josh, thank you, Josh, too. <laughs> At any rate, I will see you guys again uh, next week. Cheers. All right, Cheers, I'll- everybody. I'll-